now find ourselves in the middle of this week. I want to begin with yet another example of hope. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, there's there's a guy I run into all the time. This guy, he basically hazes me every time. I guess periodically he listens to the show. And he makes some comment about me being a Republican. He's black. And, you know, he'll tease me about Trump or something connected to politics, current events. Let me tell you what happened yesterday. So he walks by. And he looks at me and says, all right, Vince, student loans. I said, you really want to know what I think? So I told him. I raised the question, what would you do? What would you see if the federal government got out of education completely? No student loans, no grants, none of this stuff. What would happen? Well, all of a sudden, all of these colleges across the country, they would have to lower their prices to compete. You know, people talk about making college affordable. And usually what they mean is providing some sort of financial means to pay for it. How about we address the issue at the source by making the colleges make college affordable? And I reminded him, the two areas where we have runaway costs are areas where the government tampers. Student loans with education and health care. In both of these areas, the costs are well beyond the rate of inflation. Why? Because the free market system does not work freely in those areas. The government interferes. Same thing would happen in medicine. Let's say you take the federal government out of the equation. All of a sudden, you have doctors having to compete. Hey, I'll charge this. Hospitals. We can provide your surgery for less than that other hospital over there. What the government will do, they'll uniformly pay everybody the same thing. And because they weigh in with such a huge amount of money, they skew everything. So take the government out. It's funny, this guy looked at me. He's like, that makes a whole lot of sense. I think this is another winning issue. And on this point, the Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday on President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. He launched this back in August and was quickly sued over it. Right now it's blocked. And we expect a ruling from the justices in June. So the court heard oral arguments on this issue, two challenges to President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. For those who don't know, it would cancel $20,000 in student debt for Pell Grant recipients earning under $125,000 a year and up to $10,000 for other federal borrowers. This was last summer when we heard this announcement. Both cases, the Supreme Court heard on Tuesday. 
seeking to permanently block the plan from taking effect. What I also found intriguing, because I was not familiar with this particular organization, I looked back and saw in October when an organization called the Job Creators Network Foundation, the Legal Action Fund filed a lawsuit to block this student loan bailout. And I wanted to find out who are these people and what are they about? Why did they get involved as they have? In their lawsuit, they argued the bailout violates the Administrative Procedure Act's notice and comment procedures. It features two plaintiffs who've been harmed by this arbitrary executive overreach and calls on the court to stop this counterproductive, inflationary, and unfair action from taking effect. I want you to hear the statement when this lawsuit was actually filed from Elaine Parker, the president of Job Creators Network Foundation. Pay close attention to this. Folks, this is a perfect example of an issue I think would win over most Americans. Most Americans are going to agree with what I'm about to share with you. It makes sense. Our lawsuit intends to block the Biden administration's student loan bailout, which is an unprecedented executive power grab. That's the constitutional issue. Now, I'm not advocating to you that I would favor Congress doing this, but at least there would be some legitimacy if Congress passed a bill that said, hey, we're going to forgive student loans. That's another thing altogether, and you can debate the wisdom of that. But the president should not have the authority to just do this unilaterally, just by a signature. It's unacceptable. The statement from Elaine Parker goes on. The administration's action does nothing to address the root cause of unaffordable tuition. Remember what I said earlier? The problem has to be addressed at the root. And we're going to talk about this later with the issue of fentanyl. I mean, you can try to address this at the other end, but the real problem is at the source. You know, what is that expression? Nip it at the bud? Nip it in the bud, right? So what's the root cause? Unaffordable tuition. It goes on. Greedy and bloated colleges that raise tuition far more than inflation year after year while sitting on, are you ready for this, $700 billion in endowments. Where is that money? Colleges need to be held accountable for their outrageous tuition prices that fund high executive pay, an army of administrators who provide little to no value, and the construction of resort-style amenities. College endowments, not taxpayers, should be responsible for helping students drowning in debt. Amen. By shifting the burden to taxpayers, including those who didn't go to college or paid their student loans back, Colleges escape responsibility for their actions, creating the student loan crisis. They are given carte blanche to continue their ridiculous pricing. Bailing out this debt only kicks this problem down the road. By blocking this inflationary taxpayer bailout, JCN's lawsuit can lay the groundwork to actually solve the student debt crisis by holding its college perpetrators accountable. Doesn't this make perfect sense? This is right 
on the money. And I absolutely hope that we get a sound ruling from the Supreme Court this summer. It sounds like these justices were quite skeptical of Biden's ability to do this. We'll find out probably in June. But I think this is an example again, as the story I shared with you at the top illustrates. There are a lot of people who are not Republicans who would agree with us on an issue like this. What do you think, folks? Much more as we continue our Wednesday broadcast. I'll talk about some good news on the culture front as we continue. Stay with us. like to join the conversation the gs plumbing talk line 800-928-1110 the common sense retirement planning text line is 71307 and on that text line thus far vince maybe all those liberal professors will take pay cuts to reduce the price of tuition haha exactly vince you're speaking my language today on both education and health care take government out of the picture Yep. But we also have this. So in the Supreme Court rules against forgiveness of student loan, Democrat voters will blame conservative court justices and will have another issue for conservatives to overcome in the 2024 election. See, I don't mind having that conversation. Because again, I am convinced a majority of Americans will agree with what I expressed in the first part of this broadcast. It will make sense to them. It's like this, whatever we've been doing, doesn't work very well at all. I mean, I think back to my time at Eastern Kentucky University when I'm paying five, $600 a semester for college. I'm serious. Five, $600 a semester. Try finding a school where you can do that right now, other than community college. This person says, start looking at stats. Find the colleges whose grads cannot pay or are defaulting. That way the bad schools are forced to reform. Others can remain. That's fair, isn't it? Vince, listen to your show this morning regarding student loan debt. You're right. High tuition costs from these greedy colleges. However, on the flip side of this coin, let's keep sending money to Ukraine. (laughs) That's our tax, tax dollars. We have no say. They're getting free services based on our taxpayers. Yes, that's what's happening here. Vince, liberal Democrat, I don't really have a problem with the Supreme Court denying student loan forgiveness as long as they stop executive orders like the ones where Trump gave billions of dollars to farmers. It's amazing how all these Republicans got hundreds of thousands, some cases, Yeah, I don't blame you for the concern. Billions of dollars. 
from the government. I don't want students to receive $10,000. Sad, but the Republicans will regret their actions. See, this has to be across the board. On the issue of executive power, I'm with you on the abuse of that. Let's go back to the constitutional process. Appropriations begin where? In Congress, not in the White House. It's really that simple. So even when the Republicans think they win, they lose. Always, because they're hypocrites. Wow, we've got people in rare form today. Hmm. Vince, when I went to college in 1970, my tuition was lower than my younger brother's Catholic high school tuition. Well, that does not surprise me. Why are we sending money to Ukraine? Most Americans don't have a clue where it even is. This was part of the conversation as well that I've had with a number of people suggesting that many people would not even have any idea, no idea whatsoever, where Ukraine is on the map. I'll bet you 50% of the people cannot find it. I'm, I'm just going out on a limb here. I'd love to see, you remember back when Jay Leno was on, how he would do, what was that called? Jaywalking. That was really cool. He talked to people out in the street. That would be pretty awesome. What else can we celebrate this morning? How about this? Mississippi. Transgender minors can no longer receive gender-affirming care in the state after its Republican governor signed a bill that prohibits health care professionals from providing both hormone treatments and surgical procedures. I, this is another winning issue to me. This is just common sense. Minors. This story, believe it or not, CNN story talking about Republican-led states around the country pushing an unprecedented number of bills seeking to restrict gender-affirming care this year. You know, we need to re-examine this phrase. Just like so many other examples of the bastardization of language, this is not gender-affirming care. This is gender-pretend care. Because if it were affirming, if you are a male, I would affirm your maleness. If you are a female, I would affirm the fact that you are female. No, I am affirming your fantasy based on what the advocates are pushing for. Debates about this issue have reached into new territory in recent months after some lawmakers proposed measures that would extend some of the bans to people older than 18. This CNN story saying gender-affirming care is medically necessary, evidence-based care that uses a multidisciplinary approach to help a person transition from their assigned gender, the one the person was designed with at birth, to their affirmed gender, the gender by which one wants to be known. This is amazing. CNN story. So what they've done is they've taken opinion, and again, this is not science. It's not medically necessary at all. This is not science. This, again, is political science. Here's the ban. Goes into effect immediately. 
outlaws the prescription and administration of puberty-blocking medication and cross-sex hormone therapy in patients under 18, prohibits surgery related to gender transition. The law also makes it illegal for people to knowingly engage in conduct that aids or abets the performance or inducement of gender transition procedures to minors. Any healthcare professional found to be in violation of the ban will have their license to practice medicine in the state revoked. It also gives people who assert an actual or threatened violation of the ban the right to bring civil suits against any facility, individual, or entity for violating its provisions. By the way, the statute of limitations is 30 years. Wow. I love what the governor said, Tate Reeves. This is such a great statement. At the end of the day, there are two positions here. One tells children they're beautiful the way they are. They can find happiness in their own bodies. The other tells them they should take drugs and cut themselves up with expensive surgeries to find freedom from depression. I know which side I'm on. Wow. CNN also reporting major medical associations agree that gender-affirming care is clinically appropriate for children and adults with gender dysphoria, which, according to the American Psychiatric Association, is psychological distress that may result when a person's gender identity and sex assigned at birth do not align. I find it interesting, and we've talked about this. They're coming to a different conclusion in the United Kingdom right now. They're reversing course. Which science is correct? I think the Brits have this one right. Too much of what's happening here is driven by political science. Stay with us. Over on that text line, we have this. Hey, Vince, thank you for talking about the crises facing this country. I'm a 74-year-old widow. My husband and I worked our entire lives and believed in this nation. That sacred trust has eroded now. Now that I see the waste of my hard-earned taxes, illegal aliens, the war in Ukraine, the pandemic, surrender to China, thousands of citizens dying from illegal drug poisoning, which we'll talk about later, CRT, student debt. Need I go on? When do American citizens get first priority? Very good question. When do American citizens get first priority? How do you answer that question? Jefferson said, I hold that a little rebellion now and then is a good thing. I believe a tax revolution is on the horizon because of King Joe. And his minions. <laughs> we shall see. There's no such thing as a transgender, this texter says. XX or XY chromosomes follow the science. Gender is biological. I want people to recognize me as Jesus Christ. And for all the people who say I'm crazy, I say this. I can prove a trans person is not who they claim to be with 100% accuracy. Can you prove 
that I'm not Jesus Christ, playing the fool's game makes you a fool. <laughs> it's pretty silly. The only gender affirmation care required is psychological. If you're a man who thinks he's a woman, you have a mental disorder. It's unfortunate to Vince, all these Republican states who put a religious homophobic beliefs over everybody else's freedoms are going to cause more people to commit suicide. So wrong. Let me respond to everything you said here because it's so off base. Nobody said anything about religion. Not a darn thing about religion. If you heard me say anything about religion, I'd love to hear it. I made a comment about science. All the, in fact, the, the texters are commenting about science. You're the one who brought up religion. And then you use that one of the dumbest words on the planet, homophobic. I wish I got paid for every time I heard that word. It's one of the dumbest, most worthless, lazy words used here in America. At the base of this is what? Fear. And they normally like to put these things together, religion and homophobia. And again, it's lazy because you don't want to deal with the real issues at hand. Putting their beliefs over everybody else's freedoms. What, children's rights to mutilate themselves before their brains are fully formed and they can make a sensible decision? That's the kind of freedom people should have? We don't allow kids to smoke or drink? underage why should they be able to mutilate their bodies I'd love for you to call in and explain this to me and this person also warning this is gonna cause more people to commit suicide so wrong you know what this is called emotional extortion I don't believe in this garbage anymore kids you gonna commit suicide kids you gonna commit suicide cut this nonsense out I'm serious about this now, if there's bullying or other stuff going on, let's address it at the root, wherever it is. I'm all for that. But I want you to know, and I've talked with enough people in the gay, lesbian, transgender community to know, much of what they wrestle with is internal, not external. I've mentioned a study before. Was this in the Netherlands years ago? A place very accepting. Very accepting of people in alternative lifestyles. And guess what? Still have a right of high rate of suicides among transgender people. This, folks, is mostly internal. It's not external. You can't blame other people for this. It just blows my mind. It's frustrating. Let us see. <laughs> Let's talk about another, I think, very encouraging sign. History made in the city of Chicago last night. They had a mayoral election. And Lori Lightfoot is out. She is history. She was blown out. I mean, it wasn't even close. She came in third. 16.89% of the vote. The Chicago Public Schools CEO, Paul Vallis, came in at 
with 33.95%. Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, 20.32. So they're going to have to have a runoff election. But the bottom line is, Lori Lightfoot's out. Chicago Sun-Times reporting the first black woman, the first openly gay person ever to serve as mayor of Chicago, became a one-term mayor. So Vallis and Johnson, they're going to face off five weeks from now in the April 4th runoff to decide who will be the 57th mayor of Chicago. This is historic, folks. If I saw this correctly, it has been, what is it, 40 years since a sitting mayor in Chicago has lost an election. I'm telling you, folks, people, people are waking up. And the old style of politics, I dare to believe it's not necessarily working anymore. Even in Democrat strongholds like Chicago. Now, these folks who are running against Lori Lightfoot, I have no idea who they are and what they're going to do. I really don't. But I do know that people are fed up. And just because you're in the position, it's not a guarantee you're going to stay. 40 years. I was intrigued by a story that was put out a couple of weeks ago, but I think this was the UK Daily Mail did this story. Here's the headline of the story. Lori plays the race card. Chicago Mayor Lightfoot urges black voters to help her keep the seat from falling to white or Hispanic challengers. (laughs) Remember we've talked about the race issue? Again, I'd ask you to put the shoe on the other foot. (laughs) On the light foot, as opposed to the good foot. I mean, think about this, folks. You imagine a, a a white candidate, please keep this city out of black or Hispanic hands. Can you imagine what would happen? But she said this, urging black voters to help keep her seat from falling to white or Hispanic Hispanic challengers. That was part of her appeal. <laughs> this is pretty amazing. She said. If you want them controlling your destiny, then stay home. Then don't vote. But we've got to do better. Stay with us. text line if I can make my way through this minefield so glad to see Beetlejuice leaving what an absolute rabbit nutcase you know it's bad when the Chicago Bears are packing up and leaving (laughs) yes they're leaving for the suburbs however the two running for the runoff for both Democrats so I don't see much changing we're talking about Crook County Oh, I meant Cook County. (laughs) One can hope. That's from Jeff. 
Vince, when people like Lightfoot say racist things like she said about the mayor's race, it creates opinions like Scott Adams. Hello. See what I'm talking about? He's right on the money on this point, isn't he? The people of Chicago are starting to wake up. They're tired of the crime and the bad rep the mainstream media portrays Chicago. The other person mentioning the irony that Lori's wife is white. (laughs) Here she is making comments about the city fallen to the hands of a white or Hispanic person. Oh, the humanity. Dave Perkins posted this on social media. Lori Lightweight has lost. (laughs) Paul Vallis, Brandon Johnson advanced the runoff April 4th. Can we just call an end to the idea that putting black lesbians in charge of stuff makes life more fair for everyone? That doesn't even make life more fair for black lesbians. Yeah. We can't say this. Identity politics. It's one of the major reasons she's there in the first place. And at the end of the day, she couldn't deliver. You know what? It would be a different story if this woman had a record that she was able to run on. It's very clear. The people of the city recognized she wasn't getting it done. Pretty simple stuff. And now she's toast. Let's talk about economics. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk about some very interesting stuff related to health. One of them, the fentanyl threat. You know, it's interesting. I think there was a texter the other day. And I think a lot of people have the impression whenever someone is killed by fentanyl, the person is on drugs. Not necessarily true. There are people who think they're getting prescription drugs who have drugs laced with fentanyl, and they die. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. A really riveting bit of testimony from a woman who has suffered a loss that is just unimaginable. Let's talk about what's going on with the economy. CNBC, and we've heard stories like this over and over again, But here's the reality. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 60%. That's the figure for January. Lending Club says consumers have accepted that inflation is now part of their everyday lives. Despite the higher prices, consumers are still spending, although not as much as they were a year ago giving their budget some breathing room. As of January, 60% of all U.S. adults, including 45%, this is significant, 45% of high-income earners were living paycheck to paycheck. Now, this is down slightly from the 64% a year earlier, but it's still pretty bad. They're actively making behavior changes especially during the 2022 holiday shopping season, to adjust their spending and better manage their cash flow. Consumption expenditures, hotter than expected, showing some spending habits are hard to break. Consumer spending jumped 1.8% for the month compared to the estimate of 1.4%. More Americans leaning on credit cards. 
At the end of 2022, credit card debt hit a record $930.6 billion. That's an 18.5% spike from a year earlier. Average credit card balance, $5,805. Do you have that much in credit card debt? Total household debt also increased by 2.4% to $16.9 trillion in the fourth quarter of last year. Now nearly half or 46% of credit card holders carry debt from month to month on at least one card. That was only 40, 39% last year. I'm very curious. What is your financial situation right now? Are you living paycheck to paycheck? I'm especially intrigued. That 45% of high-income earners are in the same place. You know, people look at that, oh, how is that possible? Um, it is possible. What is your reality? Still to come in the broadcast, as I mentioned, we'll, we will talk about fentanyl and testimony that took place in the nation's capital. Horrible story. Absolutely horrible story with a mother experiencing just an, um, an absolutely horrendous loss. Also, we'll have an update on the COVID lab story. It's quite interesting. A matter of fact statement you're going to hear out of the FBI director. Stay with us. <laughs> 